Bartolota, we're coming good to the second star cast. Nemi Matt, Nem M. Katie. We're coming good back to the cast, Katie. Uh, I was like trying to remember, like, what is is it? Is it Shishi? That's like, thank you. So, uh, let's see here. I'm looking at my um, thing here. Uh, 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 Taki. Taki? Taki ta- and Taki Taki is more formal. Oh, Taki Taki. Uh, so yeah, welcome back to, uh, the second star podcast. And we're going to talk about today, the first three episodes of the new season. Um, uh, for those listening, uh, we've talked a little bit about the expanse in the past, but I've actually caught up on the books now. So Katie and I can talk about that at the end of this episode, like towards the end, we're going to talk sort of about the books and where we think the show is going and what we sort of anticipate it might happen. But yeah, welcome back Katie. And I got to say, one well two things one it is extremely hard to do belter creole and not like slip into just like really like racist jamaican imitation and so <laughs> i drew my slavic background and kind of leaned into that more <laughs> the second piece is um i'm so happy to have the expanse back i've been watching discovery and the mandalorian and discovery is so bad i stopped watching it like midway through the season <laughs> the mandalorian's final episode was so bad i am no longer a star wars fan like, I'm, like, hanging up my relationship with the franchise. But The Expanse is fucking awesome. It's the, one, it's the one thing we have left to look for. It's all we have. No, really, it is. Yeah, I know. I've, I've watched a, a couple of sci-fi uh, things. I watched uh, Lovecraft Country and Raised by Wolves in the interim. And, like, they were both just like, mm, no. This oh, is yeah. This isn't working for me. I, I need... I need the expanse and uh, it's just, it's almost a bad thing that this world, these like the character creation, the writing, I'm almost mad that it's so good because it's so immersive and it's so interesting. And I know that it's going to be really hard for anything that comes afterwards to kind of maintain that level. I mean, as long as it doesn't go like full on game of Thrones at the end, I think this will probably end up being like one of those like best sci-fi series of all time sort of thing so you know we'll have some critical words i'm sure to say about particularly like where we think the show's going because i'm like i'm concerned about it kind of Mm -hmm. but of all the people that like are doing this work naren shankar alcon and like the goodlish but with the the writers this is kind of like the best possible adaptation like Apparently, uh, I read an article, if you saw that, where they said that they are, they planned on a sixth season arc, like they sort of knew this was coming, and have like mm-hmm. built towards that. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get a satisfying conclusion, um, as satisfying as possible anyways, for, for this show. So, um, what were your sort of initial thoughts in terms of like these first three episodes and getting back in after season four. What did you think about season four, like as a whole? Cause I think we sort of like talked, we talked about a little bit of the, the first couple episodes, but we didn't talk about, I think the whole season. I actually need to go back and review it. I feel like it's been so long. Time has stopped having meaning like linear time. Um, so I no longer know uh, when things are differentiated anymore. So let me go back and think of, I, I remember enjoying it, especially with what they did with, they made um, Ashford like a really interesting and compelling character that you really liked. And I really appreciated that they did that. Cause I feel like it, it definitely like ratcheted up the stakes a little bit about toward the conclusion uh, season four with, uh, with Marco, you him and Kara G like, like David Strathairn and Kara G I think we're in kind of like the worst set of season four. Like it felt very green screen and small and isolated but they fucking mm-hmm. carried that fucking storyline like so hard. And I was super impressed with like them, their work that season. And oh, that's right. Season four was also Melba was introduced, right? Uh, that was season three. Um, they, they introduced her. They, she had a brief cameo at the start, um, season four, when Amos is talking to her. They sort of like uh, tease that there's that they develop a relationship. And I say relationship in the sense of like a friendship, not so mm-hmm. much a um, romantic relationship. Although I think it's easy to read it as romantic. Well, actually, I mean, one of the reasons I like the writing uh, and of both like the TV series and of the books is that um, 
you know, there is, I think, a lot more emphasis on friendship in the show than romantic attention. It's really interesting about how they definitely place way more emphasis on a variety of other uh, sort of relationships, whether it's like, you know, the sort of um, villain and hero thing or like antagonist, protagonist and friendship. So like Amos and Melba being friends is it is definitely like an interesting, uh, almost unexpected sort of friendship and um <laughs> but i appreciate that the show really does like seem to care more like it doesn't like insult you with like oh is it romantic and then it's really like no it's not <laughs> yeah it's right it doesn't try to titillate you in terms of like those relationships and or people i should say episode one oh that's right season four of that's right season four was was right there was all on illis and uh, illis slash new Terra. i really liked it because i mean that was like one of my favorite series of the novels was that that part where they're getting to to Illis and Nutera and the getting a better idea of the protomolecule's capabilities and also that the protomolecule has something incomprehensible as an enemy so for me season four um was sort of like a prelude when i think about the books and the storyline i think there's sort of like for me three major arcs in in the series and the first one is sort of like the introduction of this incredible technology and the ring gate and, and the protomolecule this tech this what happens when you drop this technology into a system how does it change the system you know it's very the, what happens when you put the cotton gin you know, um, what does that sort of industrial evolution look like um, with the protomolecules, that cotton gin? Yeah. The second arc is sort of like, okay, so the, the technology started to impact the relations between people. How does it change how we relate to each other? Not just from like an industrial productive capacity, you know, the, the, the economy of things, but how does it change the way we as people relate to each other? The third arc I won't get into because I think that's like books seven through eight and nine, but I think there's another third thematic arc of the series um that we'll see how that gets sort of resolved yeah um we started off i think with episode one and sort of like you know where we sort of stood at the end of episode uh season four bobby had been traced this sort of like martian arms being sold off they had handled the situation on illus in return and then uh the third storyline is avasarala and um sort of like tracking the marco Inaros situation back in the the solar system um which sort of began as the the storyline of like Ashford and um, Drummer in season four. I think it sort of morphs into Avasarala's storyline in season five. And uh, after Avasarala sort of like loses power um, in terms of her loss of election to this other character, which isn't in the books, but was a, I think a, a needed piece to kind of like moving all the chess pieces around as it were to set up season five and sort of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I appreciate about these first three episodes was how, for those of you in the books, and, and Katie has like sort of like helped steer me to this before I, I read the books fully, Drummer, it, it took four seasons, but now we get to the actual origins of the Drummer character <laughs> in the books. Mm-hmm. that um uh the 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 show kind of played around with you know in terms of like like amalgamating all these different characters that had been on Tycho station um but now drummer is in the polycule uh ship the pirate ship that she was always destined for I, is she yeah so they have her now sort of it's like they're they're doing like a course correct and are doing it now so i don't want to go back and forth between season 4 and season 5 too much because, yeah, in season four, she did seem to encapsulate several characters that were in the book. And, like, none of this, I guess, really matters um, from a storyline perspective as long as, like, the show keeps it, like, clean. And I understand, like, not wanting to have too many characters. Um, but now it's like, okay, well, we, we want to have Drummer on her own and divested from these other, like, amalgam- amalgamous characters that we had. But now we have to introduce these other characters back. So it's a little weird. Um, the characters that they're trying to, like, sort of rewrite for this role kind of show so far this season like they don't seem as strong at least three episodes like, thinking like bull bull yeah um although i guess when they did it for ashford like that was still a very strong character so i don't know i guess it could go either way um i liked bull in the books like this character that he was written as um i really cannot stand him he's like a sniveling little like snitch <laughs> so far and like this see i'm just like shut up god <laughs> like, I'm not even going to be really bummed when he eventually dies. 
Well, in the books, I think like he has that sort of technical expertise, being able to work with Belters, uh, even as an Earther. Like he has a, he has a sort of Millerness to him, like mm-hmm. the ability to like speak in two languages very well. Yeah. And I think that's what the show, it, because it's not really developing him as much as a character, it doesn't. Um, there's less space for that to happen. Yeah. I, I love the, uh, in episode one, the, the first Amos scene. That was something I'm very happy translated from the books where he's um, on the cruise, uh, the, the freighter ship, and they're trying to shake him down and shake the people down in his compartment for insurance. That was something I was really happy to see translated. It's also great, like, the the first episode did a good job at sort of getting us back into what are the characters' main motivations and what are they about? James Holden cannot fucking resist a mystery, a problem that he can't try to solve, or can't at least fail to try to solve. Amos is uh, a cannon that will only go off if you, like, kick it. You know, Naomi is sort of an interesting character shift for her in terms of, like, because we've seen her be, I think, a nurturing person towards Amos, but the idea of, like, her being a mother is something that is a new development for her character. Although I will say that like I think the casting for Josiah Chase Owens, phenomenal casting. Uh, he looks so much like Dominique Tipper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, and even even like he looks like he is like the son of Dominique Tipper and Keon Alexander, like just like straight up. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty uncanny that they were able to do that with like an actor who looks about to be, I guess, about fifteen. I think that's how old he's supposed to be. Uh, yeah, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, very young um yeah it's pretty impressive so whoever well and even his first introduction he gets um in the books he has that one scene where he is actually securing one of the asteroids for the orbital attack on earth and they did a good job of like paralleling that introduction to the character like trying to show him as young inexperienced but trying to be hard and (laughs) trying to be the man his father expects him to be um it was really cool to see that they worked in a parallel between that. Like, I, I, it's, it's not copying the books directly, but it's being faithful to the portrayal of the character. And like, was a good way to introduce the audience to uh, Philip Inaros. The drummer character is uh, merged with Ichio Pa, so we'll sort of see how they try to like divest that while still keeping close to the books without like weighing it down with too many characters that overlap. But yeah, I, I appreciate that they are sort of like doing her own thing, doing her space piracy sort of stuff with her, with her polycule crew. That's pretty interesting. I think the most, the thing I, the question I have for drummer, like at least as far as drummer's character is, I don't know what makeup they have in the future, but apparently it's like 365 hour wear. Um, I check out and I would like to get my hands She's on She's smearing that. grease. She's smearing grease. It's like around the eyelids. Right. But I mean, like eventually that comes off. So like, I don't even know, but it's, it's false. I love it. It's a nice smoky eye. We can all appreciate that, but you know the fact that it doesn't crease or apparently ever come off, and she sleeps with it on. I want, I want that kind of technology already as well. Um, it might be a permanent tattoo. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> God. Was inventing cannon. The first episode was, it was good, right? But it felt like it felt like an anime, right? It felt kind of like really to me. What 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 about that? The sort of like um, over the over the top introduction to philip's character uh mm. like it was just very much like i could just i could just hear that and like turn away and pose like um you should have been better if you wanted to live sort of thing and just like letting his crew die it's just like okay that doesn't really give you a whole lot of like subtlety to work with um and usually the show and i guess even the material is pretty good about like even when there is a villain or a big bad like you can't help but at least like I kind of understand where they're coming from, right? Like, I think that makes for a good uh, antagonist is one who, like, isn't, that is, I suppose, to some degree, has, like, some some dogma surrounding their beliefs, but really, really comes down to is, like, it's fear or power acquisition, sure, but, like, done in a way that is, is interesting. But this one was very much, like, sort of over the top, look, he's so evil, and, like, explosions. It felt it felt very, like, anime kind of story there at first. Um, I think where it's it's starting to struggle is so much, at least, I mean, I don't know how you, how you sort of feel about the books. For me, I think there's so much that is internal because the books have that sort of, like, Game of Thrones-style narration of, like, each chapter you have a different individual you're experiencing the story through. Mm-hmm. That... Uh, 
it loses a lot of the translation when it comes to TV screens because we can't see that interiority of those characters. You know, like, um, not to spoil things, there's characters that I absolutely adore and love in, like, book eight that will never get adequate shrift in the show just because it's so much interior experience of that character mm-hmm. that just can't be translated as well to the screen no matter what you really do so yeah i think that's where this is like because in the books like you're very clearly seeing like philip's anxiety and his struggle to make decisions um and sort of follow his dad's lead and he he is imitating mm-hmm. what he thinks marco would want him to do he's being that puppet that like i think younger men do and because the show right now doesn't really show us the two of them together like we saw a little bit of that at the end of season four because we're not seeing them together it's harder to make that connection to see that philip is just a, a pretender he's trying to be his father he's he's just in the same way that he used to like see like a a puppy copying an older dog mm-hmm. um he's trying to do that but he doesn't he doesn't know how and it doesn't feel it does it's not right for him as it were that's why i got out of the books i, I like that it feels like Philip is uh, trying to be those things and he, he struggles with that. Definitely. I'm trying to be, I suppose, like something of the, of the prodigal son sort of thing. Um, the true believer to perpetuate like his dad's ideas um, and, and dogma and not quite, not quite getting there. So hopefully like toward uh, the, the rest of the season, we'll see more of that struggle where like his beliefs start to break down and, Maybe, you know, he sort of sees in the gray instead of like this black and white, because right now, like, yeah, Naomi, I mean, I totally understand, right? Like you abandoned me without context and she doesn't try to give much of an explanation at first. So of course, it's just like, well, fuck you. You're the worst. My dad is the only one who cared. I have to be the man he wants me to be because this is the only way I've ever like really received uh, any kind of support or validation. I got to say, I love Dominique Tipper. Like her acting in that scene is so good. Like you can see her sort of like swallow the disagreement that she like she's about to like she wants to say like no 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 you got it all wrong but she's like he's here i need to be with him if i i can't push him away by disagreeing so she's kind of like swallows it and just reaches out to keeps reaching out to him like fucking phenomenal the cast in this is so fucking good <laughs> yes right now so i guess everyone's sort of like off doing their own thing so I- yeah that was last that was last episode three that we've talked about yeah like the, the mother episode yeah, there's another. Uh, what was the second episode? Second episode was uh, a churn, and that was a lot of Amos. That's right. Yeah, um, a lot of Amos in Baltimore, and this is um, I fucking love Ty Chatham. Um, like he is just or West Chatham. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, this was one of my favorite parts of book five. Um, I I I totally understand how it's been sort of like cut down a little bit. I don't know if you noticed. Amos does a lot of drinking in like this <laughs> the first three episodes of the season. Uh-huh. He's getting drinks with everyone, whether it's tea or whiskey <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, he's just a, a lot of lot of fluid consumption, which is good because you got to hydrate for what's coming up in the following episodes. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I loved uh, his just again his time in the shuttle. The Lovell City shots were absolutely gorgeous. That's some of the best CGI in the show, I think. I feel uh, like that long, slow. Oh my god! They're really flexing this season. They're like, we're going to show you just two minutes of a flyover of the lunar of the lunar base, and you're like, you know what? I'm into it. It's done really well. Oh no, yeah. Someone was like having like a lot of fun, obviously, and like, well, let's reimagine what Baltimore will look like in this time and. I- Make it absolutely quiet, just music behind the the shuttle coming in and landing, very Space 2001. Like, I loved it. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure if they just had a better, like, budget. Because before it seemed like there wasn't a lot of these sort of shots and they were very uh, shorter before. But that could have been um, in the earlier seasons to, like, get to tell the story and, like, the character development, which is, of course, uh, just as important as, like, showing you the the world in which um, this existing or, like, what's going on. Um, so it's really cool that they're having fun with that and and taking it close to home. I don't know if they're doing something different with special effects or direction or things like that. I th- it feels like they're doing something better because I'm thinking of like the scene where they go and try to find the cargo containers. And just like the way they use light has been very, I think, sophisticated to give a sense of space um, that I didn't see a lot of in season four. Mm-hmm. Again, like for me, like watching the the drummer Ashford storyline, 
it felt very claustrophobic and it felt very low budget. It felt very much like there's a lot of green screen behind these actors and they're just doing what the best they can on a 10 by 10 sound stage or something. And like the scenes here with like Fred Johnson's office, like things that are very obviously CGI, they feel expansive and spacious in a way that I've, I've loved. One of my friends was talking um, about Amos' character. We started talking about what we love about him. And for me, what I love about this show, and I think what we start to see more of with Amos per se in this season in particular and has relationships with um, the this woman that was sort of a mentor, a, a motherly figure to him. I feel like other shows w- would want to force a sort of moral journey on Amos so that we feel like he's redeemed as a character. Like they're, they're going to want to be like, oh, you know, he gets better. He learns his lesson and changes. Um, But the thing with the show is like it sort of accepts like Amos is fucked up. He comes from a place that's fucked up. He experiences moments of human connection um, and he sees in people uh, kindness or innocence, like his relationship with Anna um, at the end of season three, where he's like, I'm going to protect you. You are a valuable person. You are kind and good because he doesn't get to experience those things, but he wants to preserve them in others. It's just, it feels like he is a character that just not a lot of shows would treat him that way. And like, I think a lot of contemporary American cinema would be like, well, Amos is the guy that says there's sheeps and there's wolves. There's sheep dogs that protect the sheep. Like that's his, that, that's how like a lot of American shows would portray that kind of character. Mm-hmm. But he's not a sheep dog. He, he's not that kind of like American sniper-esque bullshit masculinity thing. He doesn't see that as a strength of his. Yeah. It's just a tool. It, it, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. I mean, like all these, all the characters have strengths with how they're written. Um, and that's what I like about Amos so much is that like, he's very clearly an intimidating figure, um, but who doesn't use like that sort of masculinity or imposing, like it's sort of not in a toxic way. You're like, it's like, well, this is a tool that I have at my disposal to use um, rather than like leaning into it. He's very, um, I would say linear. Like he's yeah. pretty predictable in that regard. He, he doesn't even try to say that like, he's the type to do plotting and ploys. He's like, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> None of that bothers. Well, he he warns thing. He warns people before like they like fuck with him. He's like, this isn't going to go well, and then leaves up to them. Like, do you want to move forward? Like, I'm not fucking with you. I'm really not. Yeah. D- do you want to keep going with this? Because if you do, it's going to be bad. So, I I present you choices now. Yeah. If you don't understand the situation, don't read me well. So this should be an interesting season for seeing more of that um, with Anis, as well as depending on how far they go. Um, you know, what that might also look like and, you know, if they ever decide to make an adaptation of the eighth book or something. Um, yeah. That would be um, a sight to see. What do you think of the scene with him and Eric? That That's what I was I was trying to look up. I forgot his last name, Eric's last name, but um, he, I don't know if I'm buying the character they're trying to sell me on Eric. Um, yeah. It seems like a mismatch, right? Like, he should be older. I think that's one of the things that struggle with me a lot in the books. Like I felt like Ama- Eric should be older. Mm-hmm. This is one of those scenes where so much interiority happens of like Amos doing like all the calculations of like, if I need to kill this person, what am I going to do and how to do it? Mm-hmm. That it's sort of like lost. It like is reduced just that scene of him passing the gun back across the table. So you can see like that Eric had put it forward. That was one of the things that in the book scene, uh, Eric was already two steps ahead of him. It made you respect Eric a lot as a character because he's a guy that was ahead of Amos. And Amos is usually the guy that's like ready to fucking go at the slightest provocation. So like if someone is ahead of Amos, they're really ready to go. Well, Eric's also supposed to be essentially a mob boss, right? Like runs Baltimore, essentially, or like the underworld of Baltimore. And right now, I didn't really believe that with his character. I'm not saying like, you know, people have to be like dark and broody and like super intimidating. Uh, because there are obviously different ways to be intimidating than just looking like brutal. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm if I'm buying that just yet with the way the character. He just seemed whoever like there who's directing. He just seemed too genial to really believe that like this is someone who could step to Amos um, and would be a struggle. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know if I'm if I'm buying that yet, but I'm not sure if we'll see more of that character much. This season, I think maybe he shows back up again. So not saying it's yeah. out with redemption, but um, that sort of interaction 
which was, as you mentioned, a lot of liquids being consumed. Um, <laughs> uh, I just kind of was like, it was kind of awkward for what it was building up to be. This is to say that like it was ruined in some, in some way for me. Um, uh, I will say this as an aside for anyone who hasn't read the books. He does show up after the most recent book. He's in the most recent novella. So he does come back way, way, way later on, on one of those, uh, ring planets. So, and I think that makes him, and I think he's actually a much more interesting character in that little novella. So if you wanted to read a bit more about Eric as a person and who kind of helped mentor Amos be the way that he is like, that's, that's an interesting book. I mean, they're all good. That's the problem. It's like, I yeah. say like, don't read this. I'm like, they're all good. They're all good. They all make me want to read more. Um, I resent, you th- I resent it. <laughs> what do you think of the actress who played Lydia and, and that, that sort of like childhood scene uh, of Amos? Um, what do you think of that? Now I didn't read the churn. That was like one of the few novellas I, I didn't read. I think there's more backstory there with her. I think it was fine. I, what I was getting was that there was only a very slight, like, like many things with Amos, right? There's just like, there's a hint of things. You kind of like glean it based on the dialogue and interaction, but it's not like Amos is the type to give you this big exposition about his life. Right. Um, you just know this is someone who took care of him and cared about that, him. That's a James Holden thing. James is very happy to pontificate about his experiences <laughs> in his life and tell you all about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas or, or Alex, <laughs> or Alex. Amos is definitely the uh, the not much of a talker there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I the actress seemed fine. It, it's not exactly a very big character. Big part, role. sure. Yeah, it's, it's all in flashback, and I mean she's dead essentially at the start of this. Um, so I thought it was it was fine. I thought that so I mean everything the way that they handled like this this part of the story I thought was was done well. Um, even my criticisms are just that, that like Eric could be seem more like plotting, I guess there's a way to maybe ex- do an exposition on that. But other than that, like that's my only thing. And I know that they're crunched for time. You can only make episodes so long and they have a lot of story to tell from a lot of perspectives and a lot of scenes. So I'm not going to be mad at them for like making Eric not seem as creepy as he could be when I know like they're also trying to tell the story of like drummer and, uh, what's happening with Ava Sorala and uh, you know just everything like that. So speaking of those other stories, what was your kind of take on the the Holden Tycho Station plotline? Like, what was what did you sort of like think about that so far? I, for me, I've really appreciated again. Like the it feels very special effects well done and, and very expansive on Tycho Station. Um, I really loved that little moment. Bull is explaining to James like what the bubble, like the the blister mm-hmm. opening, and how that works. And Holden's like, you know that I do work in space, right? <laughs> yeah. Because like it, it's a great moment. It, it it develops both characters very well, while also letting the audience know like what's actually going on. Yeah. But like it doesn't feel like a, a character's like explaining the plotline to you, like a, to another character that like obviously knows what's going on. Yeah. And you're like, why did what did he know that? Like he just like says directly, like, I work in space. Like I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, without them like, you know, seemingly patronizing the audience, um, with like exposition, like Bull's not turning to face the camera. <laughs> <laughs> How atmosphere works and things like that. So um yeah, that was that was pretty good. I appreciate that they're trying to use more of that story to feel. It's a sci-fi series that has so much that is so much based on like the political landscape of this world, right? So I can see how some people might say that like you could just it doesn't have to be sci-fi. You could take the story out and put it in a in like some in another like modern or even an older setting um, and still be good. So I guess like this is them trying to flex and be like, we want to remind you this is a sci-fi series. <laughs> Yeah. Very. We love science. We love science fiction here. Um, and of course, like that's always been one of the the things about the show and the books that I appreciated is that like it was. It's not quite hard sci-fi, but it's right there to where like you can tell a lot of this is based on actual science or theories that have been done or you know projected, surmised sort of things, especially like even down to how belters look. Um, so there's grounding. Yeah, it's grounded on what we actually know. And like, I believe the authors at some point, like actually had a consultant at, for people who work, worked at this, like on various space programs. So that was actually really cool too. Um, the TV show isn't going to get down into that. I know the, 
the books do. They tell you way more about like the technology and how it works. It's interesting, but that definitely travels a lot slower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, I guess that would really be pretty boring to show in the TV show. Um, yeah, I, I did like that, that sort of exposition in a way that's like, we're explaining it to you without being patronizing and also to where it doesn't feel like a really awkward exchange between characters. Yeah. Um, I do. I liked that scene for a lot of reasons, which is apparently just that like, I guess James Holden can flex and just be part of whatever fucking thing he wants to be part of. At this point, yeah. On Tycho Station in particular, like, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go do things. Like, I'm Fred Johnson's boy. Um, <laughs> Best boy, Fred Johnson. <laughs> what was your thoughts on Mars? Because I got to say, I was so fucking stoked to be back to, to see Frankie Adams kicking ass again. Oh, yeah. And, like, that scene where, like, Alex comes over and visits Bobby in her apartment. She's, like, fucking just... <laughs> Like on Earth, like what, like eighty five pounders, like easy, and she's just like boom, boom. I know it's Martian gravity, but goddamn, Frankie Adams can kick so much ass. Yeah, they're just like, okay, we want to have this exchange, but Frankie needs to be yeah, like just pumping iron. Got to get that pump in, man. And that's like, well, I just- <laughs> this is one of the reasons I love this series so much is like all the masculine characters all the main masculine characters are himbos and all of the the feminine characters are either like doctoral level geniuses or like fucking like intimidating as bodybuilders <laughs> so. no, I, I just imagine like uh, as soon as i saw alex walk into the apartment i thought of that meme um of like that like one like goofy walking into like that like trash <laughs> apartment be like bitch you live like this <laughs> Yeah, basically. Uh, I really liked how they portrayed Mars, which is to say, like, man, you really have to have a lot of patriotism to want to live there. Because it just... At this point, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, that's their whole thing, though, right? It's like their... Mars is very much based on, like, the Spartan idea, like, ideologies and, you know, legions and, like, being very pro-war, pro-Navy sort of a thing. Um, Well, also, because, like, the season four, I think, did a great job of sort of explicating how when there is the terraforming, like, you know, fuck it, who cares? Um, when you have like all these other like much more readily colonizable systems outside of the ring gates, it's like Mars' entire purpose for being just collapses overnight. Mm-hmm. And what what happens in the in the wake of that? Yeah, well, that and also belters too also leave, and you know, like you said, how do we relate to each other? It's like, what does it what does it now mean to be a belter if you're living down a gravity well? Um, and just like how people change us and how it threatens ways of life not just like economically or politically but also like culturally like the threat of yep. these ring gates so i appreciate that the story is still being very smart about that and, and trying to to show not just like the obvious things of the the threat of like an alien gate but perhaps the things you hadn't considered and just like yeah how does it affect you what does it mean to be human now with this sort of technology that you're using so it's, it's really interesting and i really appreciate those sort of the sort of uh, ideas that it's planting in about how to relate to culture in yourself. But I've always loved the show and the series based on that is like, it's a series that is sci-fi, but still is really taking a lot of anthropology and like anthropological types of questions with it. Like, you know, how humans change in all of these environments and not just physically. Uh, How does the language change? How does the idea, how do the ideologies change? How does, you know, the culture shift? So it's really interesting. And I really appreciate that they've done so much work to give you a completely fleshed out idea of like, this is, this is what it would be like to be a, you know, an average Martian. This is what it's like to be an average belter or an earther, which you probably see probably the least of because they kind of figured like, well, you already know, (laughs) but you know, or I guess like, and I think, Earther, in some ways, is also like the most um, politically radical in a way. Like some of the ideas, like the idea that like how Earth looks now is a upper, a permanent upper class and a permanent vast lower class, and that just kind of exists but doesn't do anything, doesn't contribute anything, is just there. And like people are always trying to get into the upper class from that lower class. It's just an interesting political explication of our future that I think is more uncomfortable than I think. Uh, probably what Jeff Bezos is comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> um, not saying like he like makes like editorial comments, but it's a very clear idea of like what the future might look like in terms of a, a permanent division of existence. It's not saying like those are, you know, everyone is sort of ex- uh, oppressed or exploited in different ways. You know, the belt is, you know, treated poorly. The lower class on earth is treated poorly. So, but you can understand like why people 
would you know emigrate to mars because that's a place where like you and your family can get meaning and purpose and advancement and and do all that kind of stuff so that's probably the, they're the most i would say regressive as far as like um ideologies go right because they're they seem to be even more like bootstrappy um because there's so much on mars that needs to be done so they're like oh if you don't contribute you're just a lazy piece of shit go back to earth you know get your free handouts um yeah, yeah. that sort of thing so whereas earth i guess is just sort of accepted that like we have too many people and not enough jobs so there's a ubi and like yeah trying to break out of that takes years unless you were if ever yeah I, I really appreciate like those sorts of dynamics that class struggle is still very real and now it's just on a wide on a wider range between worlds so let's then turn and we end season episode three with a meteor coming down and unfortunately wiping out a dude that seems to have a pretty cool set of glasses that he just like goes to the the bay and just like watches the fish and the glasses just tell him like what the fish are and where they are what they're doing and that's something very peaceful about that that i appreciated yeah um, the ocean see fish are out there <laughs> let my glasses talk to me tell me some facts fish facts um looking forward to this and i'm going to say spoiler for anyone that might be concerned because we don't know what's going to happen katie and i don't know what's going to happen the rest of the show but i have some very strong ideas about what's going to happen based on the books and um According to the writers, they said that um, they've got that six-season arc laid out and they're ready to go. So, pause, stop, we'll skip ahead, uh, listen to us at the end for uh, where we talk about stuff on Twitter and stuff and follow the cast. I'll say that right now. Um, (laughs) Now, spoilers for people that have read the books and everything else starting now. Okay, so they're very clearly seeding the Laconian storyline. Like, Sabater is there. Because mm-hmm. I, I was trying to think of, like, how this would work. They And the, the writers described this as a pause button. So I don't know what their sort of thoughts are in terms of how to handle this. But um, it seems to me that we are going to do something Laconian-oriented in Season 6. Like, that feels like a pretty, like, based on the, particularly on the pace of the show. Like, we are already halfway through book four five right now like three episodes yeah. in um yes. i don't anticipate they're gonna spend that much time on like we'll spend like maybe two to three episodes tops for like amos to rescue melba and get back to the rasananti mm-hmm. um we're probably gonna spend the rest of the season doing a little bit of like pirate stuff with like drummer and fighting marco Inaros. but we're moving really fast that's honestly my only concern about the show right now is there are so many impactful things in books like seven, eight, nine, the death of Melba, um, Bobby's death. I really want to have space to breathe. I want Bobby to have her fucking warrior Valkyrie mm. end um, and have it be like awesome and justified and everything that her character deserves. And it's just hard for me to imagine like how those things are going to have space to breathe when we're talking about 10 episodes for season six. And like, also like, again, like looking at like the books, like, I love Teresa Dutarte. She is one of my all-time favorite characters in the books. Mm-hmm. I adore her. I love that we sort of see the Laconian world through her eyes. It's been such a wonderful um, mystery to discover, you know, that Amos was on Laconia with her and same with um, James Holden. Of all the people I trust to do this well, I trust the showrunners. They've done a great job so far. I'm just kind of like mourning a little bit what I think is going to be a really truncated season six and like the storylines that are just so emotionally impactful. Yeah, I think they're moving quickly through this season, probably because while the like books five and six were like important in ramping up the stakes of like what's going to come exposition-wise, it, it might not, it might kind of seem to drag, right? So I guess they're trying to get yeah. back to, like, don't forget about the proto-molecule, you know, it's still important. Yeah. But we're now we're doing the internal power struggle, like the power plays, like what's going on now, what's going to happen. And so, yeah, they're definitely setting up the, the rest of the season. I think season five is going to end with how I think the end of book five did, which is like, you do see Savator again as he's going through the ring gate and then being disassembled on a molecular level um, oh see i think we're gonna go farther i think we're gonna get to the actual season of uh medina station by the end of book uh by the end of like season five 
You think? Because like if you saw, remember the war room scene, he talks specifically about the asymmetrical um, way to control the ring gates. Yeah, the throat, or I think they call it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's a very clear Chekhov's gun that like, because like in the books, it sort of like becomes a um, a belter thing that the Laconians take over. I feel like we're going to, and this is the thing too, I can also see them sort of like vastly cutting down on the Laconian and Proto-Molecule storyline so that it doesn't become so much about humans. Because I think the third theme is humans literally modifying technology and how technology modifies humans. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where um, the Laconian storyline, you could cut really deeply into it by not making them necessarily like super ships. Like you don't need to have the whole builders and mist. I don't know what you want to call the other aliens. Um, the, the, the people that attack the builders, their whole thing. I think the way I sort of imagine them resolving in uh, season six is, I think we're going to see that the aliens that attack the builders are from like an alternate dimension or like a extra universe like that. So like pocket universe type idea mm-hmm. that like somehow the ring gates are impacting them negatively. We will learn how to coexist in some capacity or, or do survive in a way that like is okay with them. And that's part of like book nine's resolution. Right. Um, Cause we only have one more book to wrap everything up in. And I think that that's kind of how it has to be. It just like means that we don't get sort of the exploration with I think Elvie as much, mm-hmm. um, because like she has that whole storyline in books eight and nine about discovering uh, proto molecule databases and 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 gates things like that. We just lose a lot of like the Laconian texture, and so and then again for me, just like the part that is so easily cut is a lot of the stuff involving Teresa because so much of her experience again is that sort of interiority of like her seeing her father and Laconia. And those are things that are going to be very hard to translate onto the screen. Right. Well, she's supposed to can like, she's basically a princess, right? Like she's supposed to continue the, the line. And even though she is a a more nuanced, interesting character, because she's also like, obviously just a teenager. (laughs) You're like teenager shit. And um, in addition to, you know, being her immortal father's, uh, (laughs) Uh, only only offspring yeah so it's but yeah so season five yeah it's it's definitely setting up because they've already shown cortez being kidnapped right already shown you know i uh, people defecting from from uh mars and like you know now they've just started introducing like ships that are going missing um yeah so they're starting like they're definitely like setting that up um so I'm not sure. If, I just don't know when that will come, right? I don't know when the introduction of like Laconia, the idea of Laconia is being set because that's going to be a really interesting season to see because that's going to be a very visual season when they start to show yeah. the Laconian well, technology. Well, that's the thing is I think that they're going to cut down, if not eliminate entirely, the time jump because it's a lot easier to just like condense it and be like, the Laconians take over Medina Station, everyone resists them, and they win. The the part that I again it just I'm more mourning that that loss is going to happen is that like in the books because of that sort of like time jump mm-hmm. the defeat of Earth and the Belters feels a lot more like deeper like it wasn't like they're like able to like get the rebel stronghold and fight back immediately which I anticipate is like how the show is going to play out there's this deep sense of like defeat that like the Laconians won they won. And they won handily without like firing a shot or firing only a few shots. And so I think that is something that is most likely going to get lost as the translation from season six, because I do think that they're going to try to get through the arcs of seasons uh, or books seven and eight at at the very least, and probably nine um, in season six. You're talking like we have 13 or 17 episodes left to cover four and a half books. Like that's a pretty breakneck pace, even with you sort of like, really cutting into and trimming down a lot of stuff. I thought that there was talk of like them being like a, not quite a spinoff, but sort of a spinoff. So I, I thought, and I could be wrong. They thought they were basically going to do up until essentially like book six before the time jump, right. That they were going to try to wrap it up. Like basically that they were going to have to cut this, the later, yeah. you know, but to make it complete because there is such a time jump and that that was going to be a different series, but maybe I've, misread that somewhere i don't know 
Yeah. The most recent, I, I don't know, the, the most recent article I read was that, again, they had plotted a sixth season arc and um, that they see the ending as a pause button. From a show creator standpoint, I would not want to bank on like a miniseries or something like that. I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe they can negotiate a few more episodes in season six, just like three more even would be mm-hmm. nice in terms of giving the story that much more space to breathe. Because again, it's been a while since I've been so moved by a piece of fiction, but like when Clarissa slash Melba gives her life for the crew, like that was really impactful. And, you know, there'd been time spent where she had earned her place in the crew and like James Holden trusted her again. And that she gives it up for others is just like this incredible arc for her character. So, um, I want Bobby to fucking go off like a fucking nuclear weapon badass the way that she should. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I can't wait for like, I, I really want to see like Bobby leading like a Martian rebel strike team like she does in the books because it's just so fucking cool. Yeah. I guess here's, here's a question back to the show. And sorry that I, we keep jumping around. Um, what do you think they're going to do about Alex in season six? I mean, we haven't heard anything about the investigation cast Anvar. Oh, I thought they left. Um, They're like, bye. Oh, they did? Uh, that's the last I heard, yeah. If you look at the books, he doesn't do a lot. But he's still a main character. He's still a part of the Rocinante. So if they're getting rid of Cass Anvar, what are they going to do for season six? I mean, I think that's pretty easy to kind of say, like... Yeah, if Expanse is Cass Anvar, it won't be in season six. It's, there's a, uh, a news article. Oh, here you go, yep. Which is, like, it sucks. I feel so betrayed. I mean... Yeah, you know, I of course always believe the victims. It's just like, man, dude, celebrity. He's such a heart. Keep it in your the character is such a heart of the show. You know, it's yeah. hard to imagine without that. Yeah, and he's just such a a, a fun character. Um, you know, I, well, you know the, the the best part of like some of the best parts of the season so far have been like Bobby bouncing off him and like being like angry and like. He's just excited to hang out and, you know, drink at this fucking awesome Martian Texas bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure if they're going to I'll, I guess I'll read up on it later, but I don't know if they're going to like recast because that's going to be so awkward. Right. I don't know if they really can or if they're going to try to expedite some of the storyline to make it fit. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I lean back into my thought that it will be a complete Laconian arc, you know, book seven, eight, nine. I, I do think we're going to get as close to them as we can get for season six. And the character doesn't do that much. He's a good source of like emotional support for Naomi, but, and, and sort of like takes care of the Rossi, but he doesn't. And this is what I was thinking about as I was reading the books too. Like he doesn't do that much. He's not that, I mean, there might be things that happen in book nine, that he's integral of, but he doesn't do that much, honestly. Um, he kind of hangs out with the Rossi and as they put it in hiding mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. Um, and I don't think a lot, I mean, like you lose the sort of camaraderie of the cast and, you know, he's a big, the, the whole um, storyline of transferring ownership of the Rossinanti to Bobby. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that storyline just probably won't happen. Yeah, because it, it makes sense in the books, like have it because again, James is pretty old. Um, the Conians have basically won. That's how they're kind of like going about it. But um, in the show, I can see them just being like, for whatever reason, I'll make up. Alex leaves, um, and I think that would be honestly less jarring than trying to recast him um, to make up some kind of reason that kind of like exit character of Cassanvar stage left, um, then try to recast him. Yeah, I don't, it'll be interesting to see like where it all goes and how the story will sort of change to fit some of this. I mean, good on them for like acting on it, right? Because so many times you hear these allegations um, and they investigate, it's like nothing happens or they get a slap on the wrist and like, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm actually surprised in a good way that they that they decided to like say like, no, bye. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Um, and with that, we'll say that we'll be, we'll be back to talk about episode four after it comes out next week. If you're down, Katie, yeah, to keep doing these. Of course. Okay, cool. I, yeah, I so. love nothing more than to be just 
an absolute insufferable the expanse nerd because it's like one of the few things that i will unabashedly fangirl out about like the heart yeah so well and, and mare's traveling for the holidays but i think once she comes back she will be interested in joining us too so um because she's now into the expanse as well yes. i don't think she's read the books so like that's going to be you and me being book nerds folks if you if you're a listener to our podcast um thank you and also this is really the best currently running sci-fi show um it's really good you really owe it to yourself to see it like katie had sort of mentioned this is a show that is really wrestling with what does it mean to be human and i love that like you you sort of talk about like sort of the villains and antagonists even the even the so-called villains in the show i think I don't agree with their definitions of humanity, but they're at least trying to come up with one and defend it and advocate for it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sort of see like the Cortazar and the the uh, Jules Pierre Mao, their conception of human changes as soon as they discover the protomolecule. You know, you see the sort of the antagonism between like James Holden, who's like trying and the Rosinante crew as they're advocating for a definition of humanity that includes the people at the lowest rungs of the economic ladder. But this is a show that I think is in the vein of Star Trek, at least, it's posing some kind of like moral dilemmas to characters that are meaningful that they have to struggle with. This is just it for me. Like I, like I said, I've stopped watching other sci-fi shows because they're bad. And this is not, this is really, really good. (laughs) It's one of the only shows so far that's not yet broken my heart. So um, we'll still being cohesive and interesting, like story driven like Star Trek is great, but it's still just sort of a like, you know, one-off episodes. Ooh, isn't it wacky? Or doesn't it make you kind of sad this one time? Um, whereas this, you know, this is much more cohesive so that when you do get sad, it's like we're going to crush you. But you'll still come back. <laughs> uh, so speaking of which, oh boy, you know if Sarah and her husband are going to make up just before it all goes to shit. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is unfortunate because they recast, you know, uh, Arjun to be sexy Arjun. So. <laughs> From like one of the earlier seasons, they're like, you know, we need someone hotter. So. Well, no, I, I researched this. It's because uh, there was uh, scheduling conflicts. Oh. I mean, he is pretty, I mean. I just thought it was funny. I was like, did they just recast it because this is like the sexier version? <laughs> so. I think that says a lot about your preferences, Katie. I think you're like, oh, hey now. <laughs> I mean, my preferences are far and wide, but it's fine. We can we can use that as as humor. It does, it does work. Um, <laughs> but okay, sorry to to derail that. But yeah, um, hopefully next week I'll have complete sentences and not continuously forget characters' names, despite the fact that I've read all of the books. So, <laughs> um, so we'll be back next week. Uh, so we should have uh, if you if you want to. Uh, play along with um, us. I'm taking this from um, the Lang Belta uh, PDF that people shared. Uh, someone put together some really great resources for this. And so uh, a little bit of Belta Creole before we go. So for those of you along at home, Mi tenia de Belta Ericori. So I have the belt in my heart. Aww. So it's a little bit of Belta for you. Um, and we'll be back next week. Until then, for very to him good, Katie. Oh, you dang, everybody. Bata Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>